Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Hebrews chapter 12 and reading for our text part of verse 7. Verse 7, God dealeth with you as with sons. The whole verse reads, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Hebrews 12 and verse 7 and specifically this word God dealeth with you as with sons it is a great great blessing the greatest blessing that ever one could have to be a son of God a child of God born into the living family of God we think of what was said when our Lord Jesus Christ came into the world and began his ministry. We have in the Gospel according to John and the first chapter the words, He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Sons born again of the Holy Spirit, not by their own will not by the will of their parents or the church, but by the will of God. And when John then writes his epistles, the general epistles, 1 John and chapter 3, he begins that chapter, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And there is, of course, that a direct comparison or correlation between our Lord Jesus Christ as the eternal Son of God and between his children, his sons, by adoption and by spiritual birth. And we have Paul writing to the Philippians, and in the second chapter, he says that ye may be blameless, is verse 15, and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, 
in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And the people of God then are known as the sons of God, known as those that are part of a living family. And God marks them out by how he deals with them. If you and I are a son, a child, a daughter of God, then the Lord will deal with us as sons according to that relationship. Those of us that have been called by grace, he has already dealt with us and he will be dealing with us and he will yet deal with us as sons. Our text states, So clearly God dealeth with you as with sons. And it doesn't just apply to the context of our text. It applies in many other ways that are shown to us throughout the word of God. Those things that the Lord does to us and for us and deals with us for the very reason because we are part of his living family. My prayer, my desire is for this evening that you, that I, might have those fresh tokens of being a son of God in that living family. And those who may be tempted that they're not might have a fresh token for good and be able to see more clearly whose they are and whom they serve and where they shall be eternally. And so I want to look at seven points, seven places throughout the Word of God where the people of God are called sons and the Lord deals with them. The first I'll mention is that which is referred to in the prophet Hosea. And he says there that he called his people out of Egypt. In Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. One of the things that Moses was the instrument to tell Pharaoh at that last great sign of the Passover, let my son go. If thou dost not let my son go, then I will slay thy son. And all the firstborn of Israel of, of Egypt were slain. And Israel was set free and brought up out of Egypt. And truly this is one of the great marks of sonship. The Lord begins with his people. He passes by them when they are in their blood and bids them live. He owns them as his own. You know, the Lord looked upon the children of Israel in Egypt and he had respect unto them. He recognised them. He owned them, that they were his people. They were the children of promise. They were Abraham's seed. They were those that had an interest in that promise. 
that thy seed shall be stranger in a strange land, and that they shall be brought out in the fourth generation, and brought out with great power. And the Lord was to do that, and that applies to every one of his blood-bought family. They are brought out, they are separated, they are called out ones, sanctified ones uh, from the world. They are not of the world, even as the Lord Jesus Christ was not of the world. He says, I have sent you into the world. I have given unto them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world. And so there's this mark of Israel, which were a people that were loved, not for anything in them. It's very evident afterwards in all their ill manners in the wilderness that there was nothing in them. And we think of the tribes of Israel, the sons of Jacob, what they did, their lies and how they dealt with Joseph, how they dealt with their father. And yet from them came the nation of Israel. Truly we are reminded there is nothing in you, nothing in me, why the Lord would ever call us, why he would ever implant divine life in our souls, why he would ever separate us unto himself and begin dealing with us as with sons, doing those things in our lives, in our hearts, in providence and in grace, all because that we are sons. When we think of a natural family, and the parents have feeding, clothing, watching over, providing for the welfare, the teaching, the schooling of their children. Why don't they do it to the next door neighbours? Why don't they do it to all of the street? Because they are not their sons, not their daughters. But those that are, whether by birth or adoption, they are treated as part of that family and receive all of the benefits and blessings that belong to a child. And so here is the first thing I'll bring before you where the Lord has begun a good work and called and separated you to seek him, to desire him, to be given eternal life that is a mark of sonship, the Lord dealing with you as with sons. But then we have the word of our text. How that when the Lord then calls his people, when they do sin, he won't cast them away. He won't disown them but he will correct them. And that is where our text is. If ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. How do we do it? When we chasten our children, when they do something wrong, first we tell them, first we warn them. Sometimes it might be a severe warning. And if they heed that word, it is still chastening in that sense that they are rebuked, that they are warned, that they are told off, 
But as yet there's been no rod, no pain, no banishment. We need to remember that. Because if we are given an obedient spirit and we hearken to the Lord's rebukes, then that's as far as it will go. Listening to his word. Thou shalt hear word behind thee. When thou turnest to the right hand, or when thou turnest to the left, what shall it say? This is the way. Walk ye in it. And it shall be directed by the word. The Lord says that I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I'll guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horses, the mule, which hath no understanding, whose mouth must be held in by bit and bridle. And the way the Lord guides his people is by his word, directing them. But if they don't hearken to that word, then the chastening takes the form. Hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it? Then it comes with things that are brought in providence or in health or men raising up against us like they did with Solomon. If ye endure chastening, in other words, not fainting, not being discouraged, not thinking you're not a child, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? And there is a time factor in this as well because uh, we, we read that no chastening verse 11 for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous nevertheless afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby there's one way the Lord chastens his people that he can never chasten any other it is a way that he can only chasten a son, a daughter. And that is by hiding his face, withdrawing his word and taking away the sweet blessings and favours that he has bestowed before. You can't take away what you have not got. And the world that has never known the Lord, they may have sicknesses, they do, and things go wrong and providence against them, it doesn't lead them to the Lord. They don't acknowledge the Lord's hand in it. Because children can have things like that as well. David had the sword that was not to depart from his house. Solomon had those rise up against him. But when the Lord is silent, when the Lord says, I'll return to my place until they acknowledge their iniquities. When he says, when he did with the golden calf, I will not go with you to Egypt, but I'll send an angel. And they mourn because of those sad tidings. When the Lord leaves us and we feel so hard and cold and far off, and then we trace back and we think of where we were foolish, where we looked at this what we shouldn't and listened to this that we shouldn't, where we put the things of the world first instead of the things of God first, where we were but 
short fleeting in prayer, couldn't abide his word. The Lord knows how to bring our sin to remembrance, bring to remembrance where we began to lose that sweet savour, that love of God, the blessings of a tender conscience, a teachable spirit, and we feel so hard and cold and far off, and then mourn, mourn that condition. Only a son, only a daughter could feel such a chastening, such a rod. Not the world. God dealeth with you as with sons, touching what is the most precious, touching what is so valued, the visits and blessings of our best friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. It may be this evening, some of you know what it is to have the Lord's chastening in these ways. Maybe you haven't viewed it as the Lord dealing with you as with sons. But the word of God declares that it is so. And are you exercised with it? Do thoughts go over your mind? Does it affect your prayers? Affect how you speak one to another? What encouragement is here? Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. The Lord directs the way not to cast away our hope, our faith, but to be encouraged. This is one of the Lord's dealings with his people as with sons. But then we read the portion in the Gospel according to Luke where we have the account of the prodigal son. And there are many ways you might say that we could view this. One returning after chastening or the picture of the church of God where one one has never gone away. They've been brought up under the sound of the truth. They have always attended the means of grace. They've never been a trouble to their parents, natural parents. And there's another child that has gone away, that has rebelled, that has left the chapels, that has gone into all manner of sin and wickedness even. And then the Lord has dealt with them. And they've realised what they've done. They've been brought to repentance. They've been brought to sorrow. They return, not just to the natural parent, but return to the church of God. And the church receives them. And they are pleased, they are glad, they receive their testimony, they are baptised, they are received into the church, they come to the Lord's table. And the, the other one that has never left the church, they haven't professed faith, they haven't been baptised, they are not round the Lord's table. And they see this one that has caused such grief and such trouble, preferred before them and in the church. 
And they're upset and they're grieved about it. And this is the picture of Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. And you know the father, he dealt with them both. The one that had gone away, as soon as he began to return, the father saw him afar off. Beautiful picture of our heavenly father. As soon as there is a returning, what an encouragement. As soon as we realise our sin, as soon as we fall under it, as soon as we acknowledge it, you think of his uh, language, I am no longer worthy to be called thy son. I will arise, go to my father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And the father sees him afar off and he, he runs to him and embraces him. There's joy over him. All of the parables in, in this chapter, they speak to the same, that joy over one sinner that repenteth and ninety and nine just persons that have no need, that is in their own eyes, of repentance. But here is the father also dealing with the elder one and whether or not that he was a converted character or not. Sometimes you can have it that there are those that are truly sons, they're truly converted, they're in the church of God, but they cannot understand because they have not fallen, because they have not gone away, they cannot understand the great joy of those that are brought back. The Lord spoke to that end. Those that are forgiven much, they love much. Those who are forgiven little, they love little. And in the church of God, there's many different characters. Some are like the Apostle Paul who says, I'm not worthy to be an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And others maybe have never done any injury to the church of God or walked openly contrary at all. The Lord dealeth with you as sons, receiving, repenting sinners, sorrowful sinners. Has that been your experience? Has it been mine? To know what it is to really be humbled and to have to retrace our steps and come confessing our sin. And we met not with rebuke, not with casting away, but with a blessing, with the Lord's sweet presence and visits, the best robe and a ring. The Lord dealeth with you as with sons. But then we think of Abraham. Abraham in Genesis 18 when God said that he would destroy Sodom and he said to him, will I withhold from Abraham the thing that I do? For I know him that he will command his children after him. And of course, this was one of the things that the children of Israel were told to do again and again in the ordinance of the Passover 
they were to teach it to their children, and when their children was to ask them what meaneth this ordinance, then they were to tell them that we were in bondage in Egypt, and Pharaoh would not let us go, and the blood was shed, and the Lord brought us powerfully out of Egypt. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And it had to be passed down from generation to generation. When they came through Jordan as well, they had to put the stones in the middle of Jordan and on the other side. And again, it was to provoke the children to ask, what meaneth these stones? Why were they there? And it had to be told that the Lord parted Jordan and he brought them safely through. They were to have in the ark, they were to have the pot of manna to remember that uh, man had eaten angels' food. They had to have those things that stirred them up to tell to the generation following the wonderful works of God. And one mark of Abraham was that he would command his children after him. And we know the promise, all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, great shall be the peace of thy children. Shall Abraham, shall God's children, shall Israel teach their children of the things that have happened and instruct them and our Heavenly Father does not teach? Of course not. One mark then where the Lord dealeth with us as sons in that he teaches us. We sung in our first hymn, "'Tis Jesus can teach the way ye should go. And certainly that was a real mark of the pilgrimage journey, wasn't it? The fiery, cloudy pillar that went before them all their journey through was to teach them the way that they should go. Do you, do I know that mark of sonship to be taught? You might say, yeah, but we have teachers at school and we have other people that teach us as well. There's some things that is left to the parents and the family to teach not it doesn't belong to the school or anyone else those things that belong to the things of God especially and they shouldn't be delegated oh we've got a Sunday school Sunday school teaches about them we've got a pastor he'll teach us the pastor should teach is one of the qualifications how to teach Sunday school to teach the young as well but that doesn't take that responsibility of a parent train up a child in the way that he should go when he is old he will not depart from him and to be like Abraham commanding our children to be like David with uh, commanding Solomon Solomon passing on in the Proverbs, that which he learned as well. It's a great blessing then to realise that we have lessons that are taught us by our Heavenly Father, instructed and taught. You think of some of the prophets, Jeremiah, go down 
go down to the potter's house and there learn the lesson of the potter. Other places they had to go and they were taught. Thou shalt remember all the way the Lord thy God hath led thee these forty years in the wilderness to try thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether they would, thou would serve the Lord or no, was teaching in it all. But then we have in the fifth place a fellowship with Christ in learning obedience by the things that he suffered. Uh, going back to Hebrews and Hebrews uh, chapter 5, we read there in verse 8, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Our Lord Jesus Christ, you think what he having to learn? And learn obedience. We read in Philippians how he was obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. When we go back and we look then in what has been said of Christ as Learning obedience in all the things he went through shall not leave that be a mark not only of the sonship of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ but our sonship as well. He is our brother born for adversity, an elder brother and many of the things that we may view him passing through will be dealt the same as sons of God, joint heirs with Christ. But then there is the fellowship with the Lord in his sufferings. We read in the Gospel according to Luke and chapter 4 of our Lord being most severely tempted by Satan. And the point of the temptation was regarding his sonship. We read in verse 3, And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Command this stone that it may be made bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread only, Bread alone, but by every word of God. And each time the devil is tempting on this point, the Lord did not have to prove to the devil his sonship at all. But our Lord was tempted. And so then we read when we come back to Hebrews and we read of the Outcome, you might say, of our Lord's temptations in Hebrews 2, that it be, wherefore it behoved, in all things it behoved him, 
is chapter chapter 2 verse 17 behoved him to be made like unto his brethren made like unto the other sons that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people for in that he himself has suffered being tempted he is able to succour them that are tempted. Thinking of Joseph, Joseph was dealt with so hardly by his brothers. He was tempted, he was tried until his time came. We read in Psalm 105, the word of the Lord tried him. And then when he made himself known to his brothers and they had been so convicted of their sin, he listened to them how that they had gone over all what had happened those many years before. And he was able to succour them. He was able to comfort them And when Jacob died and then they thought that surely Joseph now would turn against them and deal really hardly with them, he was able to comfort them, assure them that he would not do that with them. He'd succour them, he'd help them, he'd be with them, he'd provide for them in the land of Goshen. And the Lord is the same to his tempted and tried people Joseph was brother to all of his other brethren and that one brother succoured the other brothers. The one brother was next to Pharaoh. The one brother was in a position to help all the other sons of Jacob. And this is the Lord Jesus Christ and his position. If you and I are tempted this evening and know what temptations are, Our Lord Jesus Christ knew as well. If you know what temptations are concerning your interest in Christ, your sonship, your part in his living family, the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted on this point and he is able to succour his dear people. And may it be this evening, through the ministry this evening, there's that succouring, that reassurance of an interest in the family of God, because that God deals with us as with sons and as with daughters. So we read in our seventh point in Paul's epistle to the Romans and chapter 8. And we read there that the people of God, that they are led by the Spirit of God. It is those that are sons, for as many, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's a blessed thing where the Lord speaks of his people and he speaks of them as sons and as children and gives his Holy Spirit taking of the things of Jesus, leading them by the Spirit into the word of God as the good shepherd in green pastures, leading them through this world, leading them at last to glory and to be with him forever. How can we, said the apostles to our Lord, we know not whither thou goest, how can we know the way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The reason why we sung our middle hymn, sons they are and only sons that are led in that way. They are they that the Lord Jesus Christ owns and knows as his own and brings them to be from the family of God here below to the family of God above. So dear friends, may the Lord grant his blessing on this word, bear witness with our spirit that God does and has dealt with you, with me, as with sons. God dealeth with you as with sons and it may be, even in this present, may be a dark, sorrowful, perplexing time that you're walking in. And this is the interpretation, the answer to it. God dealeth with you as with sons. And may that be a sweet answer from the Lord and that comfort that you need, that the Lord is your God. He is your heavenly Father and he is your eternal home. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.